Hey there, thanks for checking out the Ike Wingate Morning Show podcast. Well, you've thought about doing your own podcast, let me tell you, it's not near as hard as it used to be. I launched a podcast back in 2008, and it was crazy difficult to get it listed everywhere where listeners were, which back then wasn't really that many places. But now, podcasts are everywhere, and with a platform like Buzzsprout, you can be all over the place with one click, plus a great-looking website, analytics, and more. That's why... We use Buzzsprout. So follow the link in the show notes, and that'll let Buzzsprout know that we sent you, and you'll get a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan. Plus, it helps support our show as well. Again, down in the show notes with Buzzsprout. Let's go! All right, let's get this show on the road! Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go, woo! This is the Ike Wingate Show. Top of the morning, everyone. Join the show now. Text 870-505-1518. Here's your host, Ike Wingate. Ike Wingate. Ike Wingate. Good morning. Welcome to Wednesday. Another day, another show. So glad you are here bright and early, December 6th, 2023, getting over the hump today. We have an online shopping hack coming up for you this hour, plus celebrity birthdays, this day in history, and random facts. Caught doing good features a cop catching a bat next hour, and... Some deer eat all the Christmas trees at a Christmas farm. And we'll be talking law in studio with Greg Thurman of Thurman and Flanagan. All that today and more brought to you by Thurman and Flanagan, attorneys at law, online at ozarkjustice.com or call 479-253-1234. And it is that time of morning for your celebrity birthdays here for Wednesday, December 6, 2023. Johnny Football Manziel is 31 today. Ashley Madequa who is Simone on Tell Me a Story, is 40 today. Sarah Rafferty, who played Donna Paulson on Suits, is 51. Ulf Ekberg from Ace of Base is 53. Judd Apatow is a writer and director, by the way, 56 today. Colin Salmon, or is it Salmon, is 61. Plays General Zod on Krypton. Debbie Rowe. The biological mom of Michael Jackson's kids. The surrogate or whatever. Anyway, she's 65 today. Andrew Cuomo, former governor of New York, 66 today. Peter Buck, REM guitarist, 67. Stephen Wright, comedian, 68. Quasimodo in Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame. Tim Holche is 70. Joe Beth Williams who is the mom on Poltergeist, is 75. Today is Older Driver Safety Awareness Week, and on this day in history, the real St. Nicholas died. He secretly gave gifts to poor brides-to-be. That happened on this date in 343 A.D. In 1865, on this date, the 13th Amendment was ratified, abolishing slavery. In 1884, the Washington Monument was completed. President Franklin Roosevelt appealed for peace to the Emperor of Japan. Pearl Harbor bombed the next day. That happened on this date in 1941. Gene Autry became the owner of Major League Baseball's L.A. Angels, the Los Angeles Angels, on this date in 1960. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer first aired on NBC on this date in 1964. In 1969, 
Nana, Hey, Hey, Kiss Him Goodbye by Steam hit number one on this date in 1969. Star Trek movie premiered in D.C. on this date in 1979. The great Roy Orbison died of a heart attack at the age of 52 on this date in 1988. And what else? That's going to do it. Those are your celebrity birthdays and this day in history. Good morning. And it is time for your random facts. The actor responsible for the voice in Field of Dreams, you know the movie Field Field of Dreams, if you build it, he will come, uh, has never been confirmed. Some people think it's Kevin Costner or Ray Liotta. Others have claimed that it's Ed Harris, but they haven't come clean on it. The director, Phil Robinson, said a couple years ago that he's never heard someone guess it correctly, and he thinks it's fun for it to remain a mystery. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. Paul McCartney wrote the song Woman for the group Peter and Gordon but did it under the pseudonym Bernard Webb to prove his songs could be hits without his name attached. It wound up getting to number 14 on the Billboard chart. We are currently in the longest period of time since the U.S. added a state. It's been 64 years since Hawaii became a state. The previous long stretch was 47 years between Arizona and Alaska. So we've now broken a record. Are we? I mean, we've tried with Puerto Rico. They don't want it. So what other options are there? Guam? The reason the majority of police uniforms are blue is because uh, after the Civil War, there was a surplus of blue army uniforms that were supposed to be... uh, that were repurposed for police departments and the color just stuck. So now, yeah, now you back the blue, not not the red or whatever, I guess. Or the gray, I don't know. Uh, The slogan, Don't Mess With Texas, came from an anti-littering ad campaign in the 80s. Yeah. You never know where these things are going to come from. Those are your random facts. Good morning. Good morning to you and happy Wednesday. Today's show brought to you by Thurman and Flanagan, attorneys at law. Well, if you haven't done all your shopping yet for Christmas, here's a little tip for you. When you're shopping online, try adding something to your shopping cart and leave it there. Don't buy it right away. The site you're probably on has your email, right? Or they probably have your email, I should say. And most of the big shopping sites track abandoned orders now. So the idea is that they'll see that you almost bought something. And if you wait a few days, they may try to close the deal by sending you a discount code. Has this ever happened to you? Yeah, it's happened to me. So they might offer you something like free shipping or 15% off or maybe more. If it's a product they really want to get out of there. The, The only real risk is leaving it in your cart too long. Don't wait to order a gift for someone if it might not ship in time for the holidays. That's according to a tip from the Huffington Post. But uh, if you don't, if, if you have a little bit of time, you know, got plenty of time now, put the item or two in your cart, leave it there for a couple of days, see if anything happens. If not, just come back and uh, buy it. Just don't do what I would do, and that is forget about it altogether and think you're done. And, you know, come Christmas, it doesn't, uh, doesn't work out so well for you. So anyway, try that, see if it works. And if it doesn't, look, you're not out any anything except for a little bit of time. Good morning. Ever-
caught someone doing a good job? Tell us about it. Well, this is an interesting viral video clip out there from Massachusetts. Apparently a family, well, they ended up with a bat in their house. Who'd they go, who'd they call? Not the Ghostbusters, not the bat police, but just the, the regular human police. Uh, this is a police officer who's using a Tupperware container to remove a bat from their house while the people that are in the house tell him how brave he is over and over. Get him out, whatever you do. I'm trying, that's the plan. Oh, you guys are so brave. Stop, it's cute. Okay, not cute. Okay, sorry. Oh, that's kind of creepy. That's creepy, I'm with you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wait till you get home to your families tonight. <laughs> so, what'd you do tonight? Caught a bat. You're like a professional at this. <laughs> oh God, you're so brave. <laughs> Just compliment him over and over and over uh, to get him not to leave your house and take the bat with him. Uh, very cool. The uh, police officer there, very patient with the people and doing the things that other people don't want to do, protecting and serving. No doubt about that. That was, again, from Massachusetts. It reminds me of a scene from the movie, is it Black Sheep? Where there's a bat? Kind of also reminds me of the scene, even though it's a squirrel, in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Anyway, there you go. That is Caught Doing Good. If you've got a good news story out there, email it to us, show at ikewingate.com. It's time for Stranger Than Fiction. Well, Michigan Christmas Tree Farm had to stop selling Christmas trees that you can cut down by yourself because deer have been eating all of the trees. They say that the main reason is because there are fewer hunters and a larger deer population. Here's the owner of the farm, Ed Carpenter, talking about the deer eating all of his Christmas trees. We're not going out the field to cut them this year. Give her fields a year to rest. Here up, that tree ain't too bad, but down here, it's ruined. They've, they've killed it. The last three years, the deer population has gotten so heavy, it's eaten a lot of our trees. Down the drain, 12 years of mowing and spraying and pruning, and the deer did it. Oh, that is frustrating. The deer that ruined Christmas. Maybe it's only hunters that can save Christmas this year. I planted some of those uh, little loblollies, and deer just ate them all up. There was just no no competing with the deer. So I feel the guy's pain, sort of. Nonetheless, Christmas ruined by the deer. That is stranger than fiction, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. We are back in studio with Greg Thurman of Thurman and Flanagan Talking Law. Greg, let's get back to disability. You were talking about the various stages of the claim process. So what's next? Well, I thank you for having me back in studio. We had talked to our listeners previously about the disability program, and there are several different stages from the initial application. When I first started doing disability over a quarter century ago, we as the representatives could not file a disability claim on behalf of our clients. They had to contact the Social Security Administration directly and make the application through them. You know, in the last quarter century, there's a lot of changes in technology, and they've pushed most of the claimants online, and they now have given representatives like myself and my office the ability to actually file certain types of disability claims. Now, we can't file all of them. If you are an SSI-only claim, a supplemental security income claim only, we still don't have the ability to file that initial application. But if you are entitled to Social Security disability, 
disability insured claim, we have the ability to start the application from our office. So you have the initial application that gets started, and then the claim gets it down to what is called DDS, Disability Determination Services in Little Rock. It is part of the Social Security Administration, which is run by the federal government, but Disability Determination Services is the unit that is run by the state government that reviews the medical of each claim and kind of makes the determination whether or not they're going to approve or disapprove the claim, and then they send it back to the Social Security Administration office that's handling that person's claim to issue the decision. Now, I'll be honest, it's very unlikely that you're going to win your claim at the initial application. In the last 26 years that I have been doing disability, I would say on average, maybe eight to 10% chance of winning at that initial application stage. And so you usually get a notice of disapproved claim. When you get that notice of disapproved claim, you have 60 days to file what's called a request for reconsideration. That is stage two of the claim process. And you have to fill out some documents, update Social Security Administration on any new medical issues that you may have that you didn't have at the time you filed your application. And you also have to update them on any medical providers you may have seen or if there's any of your impairments that have gotten worse. It's just some forms that our office helps our clients fill out that we appeal the claim. We, we say we disagree that our client is not disabled and here's why. And then the case gets sent back down to Little Rock to Disability Determination Services for a reevaluation. Again, very low percentage when you win at this stage. I have won a higher percentage at the request for reconsideration stage than I have at the initial stage. I'd say it's probably pushing 12 to 15 percent. But typically, I prepare my clients, the claimants, for two denials. I know it's disappointing to them, but from my standpoint, when we get that second denial, the notice of reconsideration saying we agree with our previous decision that you are not disabled. That's usually for me good news because then we can get to the next step, which is the request for hearing stage. Mm. And that is when the case gets sent down to the Office of Hearings Operations. In Arkansas, we have one in Little Rock and one in Fort Smith. And these are administrative law judges that review, they're an independent agency from the Social Security Administration, and they review those unfavorable decisions, and they set the cases for hearings. And this is the first opportunity, Ike, that my clients, the claimants themselves, get to go in front of a human being, you know, an administrative law judge, and testify and tell that judge his or her limitations. And how I handle those hearings is I obviously review my clients' records, the function forms they filled out, and I prepare them for their testimony. Uh, And it's usually symptom-related. The medical evidence has all been submitted. That shows what their medical determinable impairment is. But their testimony adds the credibility of the symptoms that flow from their impairments, either physical or mental or combination of both. And so that is where the majority of the cases are won is at the hearing stage. I think nationally, 46% are approved at the hearing stage. My percentage fluctuates, but historically it's it's been in the, you know, 74 to 78% range at the hearing. And you know, that starts honestly from the day you take the case. You want to screen your cases and make sure you're taking legitimate cases, but I've been very fortunate, you know, to to know the law and to get my clients prepared and I win the majority of the hearings. Now, we do lose them from time to time. And the next stage is when you get a denial at a hearing, you file an appeal. It's a written appeal, a letter appeal to the appeals council. 
that can take up to 18 to 24 months for the appeals council to make a decision to determine whether or not they agree or disagree with the administrative law judge's unfavorable decision. That is the lowest percentage of reversals. I think it's like less than 6% of your appeals council cases get remanded. And usually when you get remanded, that's just getting it sent back for another hearing. It's even less than 6% when they say we disagree and are going to approve your benefits. I have a better opportunity once you get through the appeals council and you've exhausted all your administrative remedies. The next stage and really final step is to file a federal court lawsuit where you sue the United States government and the Social Security Commissioner in federal court saying this administrative law judge was wrong and the commissioner represents all those judges. And, you know, you have to be selective on those cases because you don't want to make bad law, you know, because these federal courts will rule and that becomes precedent. But I probably take six to eight cases to federal court a year. A couple years ago, I took two. We lost at the district court level and I appealed it to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. Took two cases. That's one step below the United States Supreme Court. Uh, It was during the pandemic and we had oral arguments all through video. I've got these three eight circuit judges on video and I'm in my conference room and uh, making oral arguments. Uh, We won one of them and we lost the other. That's about as far as you can go. There have been a few cases to the United States Supreme Court, but you have to be licensed in the United States Supreme Court. And I'm not looking to make any arguments at this point in my career there. (laughs) And that's understandable. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate you being in studio. We'll talk more about disability same time next week on Talking Law with Thurman and Flanagan. Good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're having a great morning so far. Well, you remember the movie, The Titanic. Some people liked it more than others. Apparently, there's a guy out there who is obsessed with it. Apparently. That's what we're hearing anyway. Uh, There is a guy who is trying to amass a collection of one million copies of Titanic on VHS. So far, he has 2,000 copies. This is the guy... A Florida man who's on a journey to collect these one million copies of the Titanic. So far, with 2,000 on his way to a million, here he is talking about it. Take a listen. Well, you know, Titanic is best on VHS. September 1st, 1998, take the voyage home. That's what they were saying. That's what I was playing on the VCR. I was watching this thing over and over and over again. I checked that P.O. box. I mean, I got to fill the car up because there's so much Titanic, baby. I'm trying to get to a million. We have 2,467 right now, so we are so close (laughs) to that one million. All I know is there are a lot of strange people out there on the internet, and this guy's one of them. I have no idea what he just said, but apparently he has gone viral with his endeavor for his heart to go on via VHS. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Well, do you trust your significant other? Depending on which state a person is in, it could affect whether or not they are likely to spy on their significant other. Yes, this is a real thing out there. <laughs> Would you be more likely to spy if you lived in a busy metropolis or a rural setting? A survey of 5,000 people found that about half had had a significant other that was unfaithful. And about 13% of them found out by spying on them. Just like on the show Cheaters. Which my wife ridicules me for watching. I think it's quite entertaining. Of course, it used to be real, I'm I'm pretty sure, but it's clearly fake. Now, the most popular spying techniques include tracking their phone, monitoring their social media accounts, 
checking credit card bills and bank accounts, going through their pockets, or just good old-fashioned physically following them. Secretly filming or recording, or you could hire a private investigator or scouring dating apps to see if they have a profile on there. That seems like a lot of work, doesn't it? The states where people are most likely to spy on their significant other are some of the least populated states. Alaska is the most paranoid. They are the most likely to spy. 54.5% of people say they have spied on their significant other in Alaska. How about that? That's a lot. Vermont is second, followed by Rhode Island, South Dakota, Hawaii, Indiana, and Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas is one, two, three, four, five, sixth on the list of uh, the most spying on significant others. That is according to study finds. I don't know why it's that way. You know, less people, areas that are less densely populated, people are more likely to spy. I don't know. Maybe, maybe people are more paranoid because there's less fish in the sea in those areas. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the most spying is Alaska, then Rhode Island. South, I mean, Rhode Island still has a lot of people in it. Hawaii, a lot of people. Indiana, Arkansas. I mean, Alaska, you know, would be the most remote. I don't see, like, Montana on here or anything. So I don't, I don't know that that's really the reason. But your guess is as good as mine. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're having a great morning so far. Well, this is the season. Tis the season for all these holiday movies on TV or just on your favorite streaming platform. And we typically tend to watch the same movies over and over. A recent poll found which holiday classic is America's favorite to rewatch every year. Favorite to rewatch every year. Well, I'm going to go 10 to 1 right here. Give you the number one in just a moment. The 10th most rewatched holiday movie, and they are classifying this as a holiday movie, Die Hard. 14% love to rewatch it every year. Then Miracle on 34th Street at 21%. The Santa Claus, ah, that's a good one. 24% of people rewatch that every year. It's a Wonderful Life is also at 24%. Christmas Vacation, that is definitely one we watch rewatch every year. 25% of people rewatch that movie every year. It's number six on the list. Number five is Elf at 26%. That's another one we rewatch. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. There's a few versions of this, aren't there? The old one, I, I don't really enjoy watching that every year, but 29% of people do. A Charlie Brown Christmas at 32%. A Christmas Story is number two on the most rewatched Christmas movie list at 33%. This wasn't a thing when I was a kid. I've never even seen this until I was an adult, and they play it over and 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 over on multiple channels. And maybe that's why everybody rewatches it because it's just so readily available and one of the only things on. But the number one most rewatched Christmas movie is Kevin! Home Alone. 34%, the number one most rewatched Christmas movie every single year. Good morning. Hey, I want to tell you about another podcast I'm doing, one that is shining a light in the dark corners of our media, our government, and our culture. It's the Ike Wingate Show. You can find it at ikewingate.com. Please subscribe to it, listen to it. It's a longer form, unfiltered podcast that delves deep into the issues that are happening in our culture. So check it out, please. 
Hey, thanks for checking out the Ike Wingate Morning Show podcast. It's an honor to know you've been listening and hanging out with us. We know you got choices, and believe me, we appreciate that you made this choice. We'd love to spread the word. We need your help with that. Leave us a review. Rate us whatever you can, because that'll help spread the word on the show. You want to contact us, hit us up, show at IkeWingate.com. We're on Insta. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're everywhere. Just type in the Ike Wingate Show. Have a great day.